Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. So that was really special to hear that. Um, the theme of camp this year was take heart. Um, we find that verse in John 16, 33. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And in this generation, as Samer, who is the youth pastor at camp, stated pretty clearly that this is statistically the most depressed, anxious, fearful generation. So hearing a verse like this, we have the confidence in knowing that the voice of our Savior is so much louder and greater than the voice of the enemy to tell us that we have to give in to this fear. Amen. We learned this week that fear comes knocking at the door. Our real faith is revealed. You know, we can say what we want about how strong our faith is, how good God is, but when the enemy strikes, when fear comes creeping in, is that faith that we so boldly proclaim really founded on the rock, which is the word of God. So what our, who and what our faith is in is really revealed when those storms come. And so we read stories like in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew against and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. And the thing I love about both scenarios is when I choose my own path, when I rely on my own strength, here comes a storm. But when I put my full faith and trust in God, when I give everything that I have to him, I'm submitted to his will, the storms are still there. And that's a guarantee. But we have hope in the second one. Amen? We have Jesus. We have the victory in that. And when I read verses like James 1, verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So in Matthew, storms are guaranteed. In James, trials are guaranteed. But in Jesus, victory and hope is always guaranteed. And that's, that's the hope that we cling to. But when we fall into a trial or when a trial comes our way, we kind of fall into the mentality of, what did I do to deserve this? Like, what have I done in my life to deserve what's going on right now? And some that Samer really eloquently put is that misunderstanding God's word leads to a breakable faith. Thinking that we could do something to deserve or earn his love outside of him, that leads to a breakable faith. But we know in Hebrews 11.1 1, it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. There is a certainty in our faith. There is an assurance that we have in our faith. And that confidence and that faith comes in knowing that God is who he says he is, and he's going to do what he said he's going to do. That's, that's where our confidence comes from. And I'm going to live my life based on that promise and not the promise of this world. And that's pretty much what we're going to be talking about today, the promises of God. But before we unpack that, I'm just going to open up in a word of prayer. 
God, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for giving us this space to worship you freely. We don't take that for granted. Would you speak through me? Would I just be the vessel, willing and open to do whatever you want to do? Holy Spirit, have your way in this place today. Would you prepare every heart that's in this building? We're not here just by coincidence, God, but we're here to encounter you. Would you speak clearly in Jesus' name? Everybody said. Amen. Amen. So before we focus on the promises of God and the things that God promised, I want to focus real quick on the things that he did not promise. Because I think a lot of us take some scripture and another scripture and kind of put it together and say, this is God's promise to me. And God doesn't have to give you something that he didn't promise. And we can kind of get caught up and upset and bitter because God's not fulfilling a promise that he actually never made to you. So I just want to clarify, these are not the promises of God. He does not promise a perfect life. He does not promise the perfect car, the perfect house, the perfect bank account, perfect spouse, perfect children. He doesn't promise any of that. That's, that's what the world promises. If you do this, this, and that, if you compromise on this, compromise on that, then you can get this. And it will leave you empty and dry every single time. Something that JW would preach over and over and over again until it almost became annoying to hear, but it's something that I'm clinging to right now, is that Jesus is the only one that fully and finally satisfies us. This thing, these things of the world will always leave us empty, leave us wanting more, but Jesus satisfies us. Amen? So these are some of the promises of God. I chose seven. Um, just because I feel like it really goes along with, we just learned about faith when we were at camp. And the foundation of your faith is important, right? So when we build it on the sand, it's going to fall over when those storms come. But when we build it on the rock that is God, we will not fall. So promise number one, I am your strength. We read in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. We understand that God doesn't call us into something that he's not willing to help us through. But we have to be so aware that, wow, in my own power, in my own might, I'm not able to do this at all. Right? Anybody else? Like, I've tried. doesn't work. Every time I fail. And talking about depression, anxiety, and fear, when I'm in those moments of fear and depression and anxiety, more likely than not, it's because I'm relying on myself. I'm relying on what I can do to fix the situation. And God sometimes is my last resort. I, I catch myself sometimes being like, okay. Well, I've done all I can do. Let's pray. And it's so backwards. He's, he's the source of strength in our lives. He's the one that can help us. But he's sometimes the last person we go to. Am I alone in that? So we don't have the power to do it in our own strength. So we rely on his strength. Promise number two, I will never leave you. We read in Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And when we walk through these trials, when we walk through these tribulations, because we will, they're actually guaranteed, our posture is so important. Because if we're staring directly at our situation, staring directly at how bad things are, we're going to feel alone. We're going to feel like isolated. But when we put our focus on God, who knows the end from the beginning, that's our source. We won't feel alone because he's with us. He promises to always be with us. And he will never forsake us. 
And it's important to remember that. Our posture in prayer, it's changed the way that I, that I pray, the way that I view situations. Because my prayers used to be, God, I can't do this on my own. That's a great place to start, right? Because we can't. But then the end of that prayer is, would you just take me out of this? Would you just take this thing away from me? I don't want to walk through this. I don't want to do this. And we're like robbing God of an opportunity to teach us. Because every trial that we walk through, every situation that we go through is an opportunity to give him glory and honor. Right? His power is made perfect in our weakness. So where there's a lack, he always has something for us. So instead of God, take me out of it, God, bring me through it. I I can actually walk through this with you. I can find the well in the middle of the trial and not at the end of it. God doesn't have to be dragging me through every trial. When the trials come, like they're promised, I have the assurance of knowing that God is with me. Amen? So promise number three, I have plans to prosper you. And this was a verse that I really was clinging to when I was graduating high school. You know, telling everybody, oh, yeah, I have, I have plans. <laughs> They're great. Um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you about them soon um, when I know what they are. Um, so I would read this verse and kind of just camp out here, right? Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And I know that God did not create us to have a mediocre life, but anything that we could conjure up in our own heart, in our own life, like this is what I want to do, his plans are so much better. His plans are so much greater. But I would camp out at that verse and just really claim it over myself. God, I know you have plans for me, so I'm just going to rest in that. And I think we skip over the next two verses of Jeremiah 29. And it was only recently that I actually fully read that because I always would stop there and be like, yes, Lord, I claim it. All right, see you later and go to a different chapter. So we're going to put that back up, Jeremiah 29, 11, and I want you to read the next two verses with me, starting in verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We still have to seek. We don't just say, yes, Lord, I receive what you have for me, and then go our our separate ways. When you seek him, you will find him. When you pray to him, you will find him. He will meet you there. Promise number four says, I hear your prayers. And there's been many times in my life where I've prayed for something very specific and did not get the result that I wanted. So in turn, I said, God did not answer my prayer. I prayed for this. In accordance to his will, I prayed for this. So I'll read John 14. Starting in verse 13, it says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So I'm praying in his will, God would, you know, not my will, but your will. And I pray for these things, and I do not get a yes, so I think he didn't answer my prayer. And I preached a message a few weeks ago at youth group talking about, I really firmly believe that God answers prayer. Anybody else believe that? I I believe that he answers prayer. But just because the answer is not what I wanted doesn't mean he didn't answer it. Right? So he can say yes, he can say no, and he can say not right now. So instead of saying God didn't answer my prayer, he just didn't answer it the way that I wanted to, that I wanted him to. And another approach, you know, posture, like we were talking about, posture is important when we're in a trial. Posture is really important when we're in prayer. I would enter God's gates God, I need. God, would you give? 
that's how I used to pray all the time. Versus, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for everything that you've given me. You withhold nothing from me. I have everything that I need and then some. And then bringing my request to him. God, I'm struggling with this, you know, as he already knows. And just a side note, just because God knows your struggle doesn't mean that you shouldn't bring it to him. Because that's relationship. Just because I know that somebody's hurting doesn't mean that I shouldn't ask them or I shouldn't tell them how I'm actually feeling. God can handle whatever it is that we're going through. He wants relationship. That's that's the whole point of this. That's why Jesus came back to, to reconcile us back to him. Amen? He wants relationship. He wants to hear what you're walking through and going through. He hears our prayers. So instead of asking for, thank him for. I'm coming in with gratitude versus a need. Does that make sense? So promise number five, I will fight for you. Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Just like the Lord fought for the Israelites, he will fight for you. And when I was reading that in preparation for this, I thought of Moses when God had told him to go to Pharaoh and say these things. And he responded back with, I mean, I'm like slow in speech. I'm not eloquent enough to, to bring these words to him. And God's like, duh, <laughs> that's why you have me. You're just the vessel. So in preparation for this, the intimidation of this, being petrified of this happening right now, I said, God, I am not qualified to be up here. I don't know what I'm doing. And he's like, perfect, rely on me. You're just the vessel. He will fight for you, amen? He's not a God that will just leave you empty. Promise number six, I will give you peace. That is a promise that we can cling to. I will give you peace. It says in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Has anybody here ever prayed for peace? I, I used to pray for peace all the time. I still do. I still get caught up in like asking God for something he's already given me versus asking, God, would you help me receive the peace that you've already given me? Because it's important to understand the difference. He's given us everything that we need. So we keep asking, God, would you give me more? God, would you give me this? Would you give me that? He's given it all. Versus, God, would you teach me through the help of the Holy Spirit how to receive what you've already given me? He's not withholding anything from us. That was the lie from the beginning, right? Adam and Eve, in their mind, he's withholding something from us. They said, I'd rather know, right, eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil versus living, not eating from the tree of life. So in our mentality, it's I'd rather know than live. And what God is saying, I've given you everything you need. Just, just rely on me and, and receive it. You know, it's a matter of receiving, not that God's withholding anything from us. And finally, promise number seven, as we close, I will always love you. And that word love is something that's thrown around, misused, abused. It almost has lost its meaning. But the true definition of love is found in the word of God. The true definition of love is God sending his son to die for us. That is the ultimate portrayal of love. It says in 1 John 4, 9 through 10, in this, the love of God was made manifest amongst us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the perpetuation for our sins. And just because we take that word lightly doesn't mean that he does. It's not a shallow or superficial kind of love. He loves us so much 
for, for those who don't feel loved, for those who feel neglected, he loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. And really believing that and resting in that love, that's what transforms us. So these promises are the promises that I'm going to build my salvation on. This is what I'm going to build my faith on. This is what I, I find to be true. Not anything I can conjure up, not anything that anybody else can teach me. This world has so many truths. Truth is so open to interpretation right now. There is one truth, and that's Jesus. There is no other truth. I don't care about your truth and speak your truth and own your power. I'm not here for any of that, and all my youth kids know that. Don't speak your truth. Speak God's truth because that's the only truth that's real and the only truth that matters. So as we close, I just wanted to share um, my favorite moment from camp. Um, there were many, as you guys saw, um, but... There was such a, a spirit of vulnerability with the students. Night one, you know, we split up into life groups. Um, boys were in one, girls were in another, and we split them up. And I was really praying, like, God, I can't be vulnerable for them. I can't share what's on their heart for them. This is something that you have to do. And so night one, it started with one of the students. I didn't even ask him to get vulnerable. He just started getting vulnerable. And vulnerability begets vulnerability. Vulnerability is an invitation for everybody else to be vulnerable and transparent and share what's actually going on. Not just like, yeah, sometimes I get upset. Sometimes I get angry at my parents. So that's my struggle. Thanks. Like, surface. Not here for it. What are you actually going through? You know, we don't, we don't force them to share. But the Holy Spirit was moving so mightily on night one that all these boys are crying. I'm like, what's going on? This is crazy. So... That was one of my favorite moments, but the number one favorite moment was the last night. We were in the worship service, and throughout the entire week, each youth group gets to sit in a different section, and we're sent like a little grid each day. And so the last night, we got really good seats like right up here, and Mary, we kind of had to like situate her because, you know, she had like a broken foot. And so we're trying to find a spot for her. And all of the students left their bags and ran up, you know, to worship and the music starts playing, and it's getting loud, and I hear some, like, chatter behind me, and it's um, another youth pastor being like, hey, you're in our row. This is, this is ours. I was like, immediately, I was like, oh, okay, relax, because <laughs> I, was, I was ready. I'm, like, looking at the grid. I'm like, I think these are ours. I was like, can we talk after worship? Because it was so loud. Kids are screaming. There's so many kids around us, and there was, you know, I'm going to spare the rest of the story, but, you know, there was just attitude and I just felt like the enemy was trying to rip me out of the presence of God. I'm like, nope, not going to happen. So, like, I worshiped like this for, you know, the first part of it. And by the end, I was worshiping, and I was like, it's not worth a fight. So I moved some of our kids' stuff, put them on the bleachers, and, you know, apologized to him. And But the thing was, we kind of got separated. So a lot of the kids were here. Some of them were way up in the bleachers. And then me and one group of kids were all the way in the back. And so I'm sitting there, like, taking notes, like wow, this is wonderful. The last night of camp, I'm separated from most of my youth group. This is the night where they have like the call to salvation and I'm ready to like fight somebody right now. And so there was just lots going on in my heart. And I'm just being honest, right? Vulnerability. Okay, perfect. Um, and I was praying in my heart. I was like, God, okay, you know the students that need to accept you. You know the students who are not walking, you know, in a, in a relationship with you. And something I loved about the youth pastor you know, at, at church camp, sometimes we can really set the mood with, like, the fog, the smoke, the lights. 
it's like super dark and you, you know, you're setting the environment and that's like not necessarily bad, but sometimes that leads kids to just be emotional for no reason and because their friend's crying, I'm gonna start crying. And he starts presenting this gospel presentation, one of the best that I've seen at any church camp. And he's like, real quick, can we turn on the lights? He's like, just put on the lights. Guys, listen to me. This is not supposed to be a super emotional thing. If God's speaking to you, he's speaking to you. If you're crying, that's fine. But like, it, it was just such a, a pointed way of preaching the gospel. He didn't add his own spin. He just preached it. And I just loved it. And by the end of it, he asked, if you've accepted Christ into your heart, would you please stand? And so I just, I was looking and, you know, one kid would stand up, their youth would like go and tackle them. And I'm just like looking up all around and I really could not see where my youth group was. And so I'm like looking and just praying like, God, you know, the person that's on my heart. And then I see a bunch of my kids get up and just start running to the bleachers. Sorry. And and that's what it's all about. So we all just ran up to the bleachers and we hugged Elijah who accepted Christ into his heart. And that same day, Sarah accepted Christ into her heart. And that's, that's what it's all about. Heart transformation, us giving everything we have to Jesus and, and leaving it there and letting him take care of it and putting our full faith and trust in him. Um, I'm so thankful for the platform that God's given me. I'm so thankful for Pastor Ron and Jacob for giving me this opportunity to preach. Um, and it really, it just gave me such a new focus on this youth ministry and everything that God wants to do. Um, Josh Bramos came and he preached, um, like a, he did like a worship workshop with us and he was talking about the stage and the platform and how it is such an empty well. The results of what happened as a result of you singing or leading worship or preaching doesn't change who God is. And there would be times when I was preaching on a Wednesday night and feeling so like, man, I feel like they're not getting it. And I would start to feel frustrated and get in my car and like, God. And Josh was saying, this is an empty well. When I get in that car, God has not changed. Who I'm doing it for does not change. And what's so cool to see is the seeds that have been planted in the hearts of the students months ago, years ago, we are seeing the fruit right now. And I'm so thankful. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for everybody who's sewn into the youth ministry. It's been growing. Praise God. That is all him. It's grown through COVID. And we're just so thankful. Um, so let's close in prayer. Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for reconciling us back to the Father. We're able to do what we're doing right now because of your sacrifice, Jesus. And we do not take that for granted. God, you are worthy of all of our praise, all of our adoration. You are so good. You are so real. Would you be magnified, exalted, and glorified above everything else? In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.